forever. Dog. Welcome to Teen Creeps, the podcast that discusses YA pulp fiction. I'm Lindsay Katai. I'm Kelly Nugent, and we are doing a very special episode this week. Uh, we are going to be joined by a very special royalty guest, I would say. Yeah, I would say like <laughs> God amongst men. Sure. <laughs> sure. As I would I would think he would co-sign on that. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, uh, yeah, very comfortable that I we just got double thumbs up. Excellent. Um, yeah. So this week we will not be talking about one specific book. We are instead going to be talking about the whole genre that the we oeuvre. cover. Yeah. Or as our guests called it, a UN summit on these books. Um, yeah. So today we have the writer of Paperbacks from Hell, My Best Friend's Exorcism, and We Sold Our Souls. It's Grady Hendrix. Hey, y'all. I can't wait to, to talk about my either. <laughs> Yay. Welcome on the show. Thank you so much for doing this. It was so nice of you to just <laughs> throw I, a tweet. Yeah, <laughs> so I, nice. to you do know, it. I'm desperate for, for attention and friends. So. Oh, oh you know, same, girl, yeah. same. <laughs> oh, my God. I wish I lived in New York. <laughs> we uh, wish you lived here. Uh, thank you so much for doing the show. It's really yeah, cool. Yeah, no, I'm, thanks for having me. Yeah, so we talked about... So the, the kind of probably the clearest way that this came about is that we saw you are doing a live show um, that's like a spinoff of Paperbacks from Hell, Paperbacks from Hell 2. Uh, what was it? Won't somebody think of the children or something? Paperbacks from Hell 2. Think yeah, of the children. Think of the children. Yeah. Uh, and you're doing that as a live show. It is uh, not a book, at least as as yet. Dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. And... And we we're just very excited. And then I think a listener said you should be on the show. And then you said, "Okay, how's June?" Yeah, that was that wonderful. Listener yeah. was my mother. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. I'm so glad um, she listens. Yeah. Well, so so I hate doing author events, but you have to do them because you know, like they just come with the territory. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing like a live show for Paperbacks from Hell, where it's like an hour and it's got slides, and I sing and oh, badly <laughs> and and talk about the paperbacks out, which is sort of the 70s and 80s horror paperbacks. And I really, really wanted to do a teen version of it. Like I don't know how you guys think of it. I sort of think YA is like. 90s set like harry potter time forward and then before that it's like teen fiction and then yeah before that yeah, that's totally that's, ex that's exactly how we like harry potter spawned modern ya but then modern ya kind of took on its own like form that is a little bit different from harry potter but i think of ya as starting there and before that it for sure was like Teen, teen fiction. fiction yeah yeah juvenile fiction yeah uh yeah um and so i really wanted to do a book and then quirk my publisher did this book paperback crush which sort of covers the same territory so it's unlikely they do one with me so i was like what the hell i just will do a live show and so i just did it for the first time in new orleans at the overlook film festival it went well um i was sweating bullets and but you know <laughs> and i also feel weird because i've only i haven't read as much as i need to you know what i mean like no one's given me an advance yet that i can live on while i read a bunch of these books right yeah. so i'm just sort of doing it in my free time so i've read like you know 
a few hundred. Like, you know, not enough. Not enough. Yeah, a few hundred um, is pathetic, Grady. <laughs> well, compared That's to pathetic. y'all, what episode number is this? Uh, I, it's going to be our 150th. So we haven't Jesus. read, you know, no, please. a few hundred yet. No, no, yeah. no, no. Uh, no but, but we do read a book a week and we have for the last three years almost. Yeah. Or three years this week. Yeah. 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 Um, so I think I think this could totally be a sequel to Paperbacks from Hell, oh. though, because uh, I agree. Paperback Crush is like sort of the entire 80s and 90s, yeah. whereas like I think it was just a singular chapter on like specifically thriller, teen thriller stuff. And that's and that is such a huge uh, that's such a huge world and, and was mm-hmm. such a like huge part of so many people's formative years. And right. And Gabrielle Moss did an amazing job. She did with an amazing job, but crush. it's like it's like everything, as yeah. opposed to just like I feel like if you delve into just the teen horror aspect of it, I mean, you, there's so many like you know horror is the thing that we see like culture, like cultural ideas and fears and all that stuff reflected yeah. in. Yeah. So especially for kids, I mean, that would be so cool. Also, well, the also she's artwork. really mean to learn. Oh what? Also the, the artwork, yeah, like yeah. you, paperbacks from hell is so very much about the oh, art of and the those art, ten out of books. Ten. Yeah, so yeah. it'd be very exciting if there was a whole book of the art. Also, Gabrielle Moss is really mean to Lurleen McDaniel's, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and like, like I get it. Like those books she, are Gabrielle? sappy. I know, but but do, I mean, you've all read have read a bunch of those. Right? We actually okay, so we just read one. Confession. Yeah, we've just read one for the show, and. It th- our episode for it hasn't come out yet as of now, correct? It will have. It will. Yeah. Okay. It will have by the time this is released. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um. So then we can talk about it. A yes, little bit. we can. Um. Yeah. I mean, the, sure. Right. Like she glamorizes <laughs> like terminal illnesses, and definitely as a young girl reading it, I was like, I wish I could have people think I was sick, but not actually be sick. Better that than glamorizing suicide. True. True, true, true. Yeah. Yeah. And like we talked about on the episode, uh, we, it was like very by the numbers, like here's the story. Um, But I I was wrecked by the end. I was sobbing. I was not. I I felt nothing. But I also, (laughs) I also am just like, I don't know, maybe emotionally dead inside. What were you going to say, Grady? (laughs) No, I was just going to say, you know, I read like, you know, mother, please don't die. And and I think what was the other one? The one about, um, God, the one about the baby, baby Alicia is dying, and mm, you know, oh, wow. it's, and and mother, please don't die. You read it; it's like eighty eight, I think, and like, you know, it's very by the numbers, like you said. But it also gets to the end, and like her mom dies, and and she's like, well, uh, she's like the whole time her mom's dying, she's like staring out the hospital window, like fixated on this like park tree in the parking lot, and then like the mom dies, and she's all angry and pissed off, and and then it's like her daughter, sister has a baby. Of course they do. Life goes mm-hmm. on, but it's it's very much like it is very much is like oh you know my mom's still dead, but I guess we have to go on being a family and being alive. And I was just like Jesus. Imagine being like 14 and reading that, like your mom's dying or your dad died. And it just seemed corny and cheesy. But sometimes the things that are comforting are corny and cheesy. You know, I was like, yeah, yeah good for Lurleen. I mean, yeah, of, there is that glamorizing thing. Yeah. Sure. But I, I agree that like, I think, you know, when you're feeling very alone and sad and you're a teenager, you'll probably take anything. So like that, <laughs> like, 
I liked Lurleen McDaniel when yeah. I was 14. Like I, I read the book where the Amish family prays away that girl's leukemia. And I was like, this is really good. And I, I <laughs> So thought, powerful. It is, I was like, wow, I don't believe in God. But if I did, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I guess it's also after and I got to say, I read it after I read it a lot of Fear Street. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, yeah, oh, a soothing fucking God, there's no jump scares, you know? Yeah. Oh, or like curse on this. I'm sorry. No. Oh, yeah, we curse oh, all the yeah. time. Yeah, okay. it's very explicit. But I was like, podcast. thank God there's no jump scares. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mom's well, or dead like, and then like she the, lurches up. Yes. Or like the terrible like fake outs where it's like, yeah. and then I was pushed off a cliff. Turn the page. No, it was my best friend hugging me. And it's like, what? <laughs> Like, we just try harder. Well, I always feel like with R.L. Stein, his childhood must have been, because, you know, write what you know, right? Everything you write as an author comes from your childhood or something. Like, his childhood must have been this nightmare of people jumping out at him (laughs) behind doors and, like, pulling off monster masks and stabbing him with knives with retractable blades. Like, everything's a fake out. What if it's the opposite, where he had just this perfect childhood, and he's like, what's the scariest thing I can think of? Probably people (laughs) jumping out at you. Well, also, yeah, I mean, truly, I think Maybe he led a very boring life because also the way he writes class clowns, he's like, hmm, what's funny? Like putting pickles on your eyes and then like that's the class clown. It's just like eggs on your face and pickles on your eyes and like so much food shit. Does he have does he have children? I think so. No way to find out. There's no way to tell. I'm going to Google. Please, I hope he doesn't dress them. Like, oh, no. <laughs> so many jean shorts in his books. Jean shorts and bike shorts. Guys wearing bike shorts oh. seems ubiquitous. Bike shorts Guess were what? a staple of mine he when does. I was seven. He has a son. One son. And he has, and he has a mother-in-law, according to... <laughs> Thank you, Google. According to Google. Uh, notable Did... people are his mother-in-law, his mother... And his son. Where's his wife in there? Did he adopt his mother-in-law? Yeah. There's no wife in there. Why is his mother-in-law coming up before his wife? Hold on. Maybe she hates oh, the internet. Maybe it's a sordid she affair. Chooses. Matthew is the son. Matthew Stein. Yeah, I, I, I assume Matthew right now is wearing jean shorts and like a turtle power t-shirt or like, you yes. know, Bart Simpson eat my shorts t-shirt. He's an author. <gasps> of course he what? is. Oh, oh, he's like children's books. Little hmm. Chef. Hmm. By Matt Stein. You know, did we know this? Did we know he, he had a son possible. named Matt? I sometimes I can't tell one moment to the next what I already knew and can't remember or didn't know to begin with. Yeah, sometimes I'm you like, is it a dream? Was a children's book ghostwriter, which I just I don't are you guys West Coasters or East Coasters or West Coast? So you might not, I don't know if y'all remember the Lisa Steinberg case in the 80s, which was like one of the first televised start to finish trials. But it was this uh, this guy, Joel Steinberg and Hedda Nussbaum, his domestic partner, mm-hmm. were accused. They killed this kid that they it was like kind of adopted, like someone gave them this kid and they were like. We'll just keep her. Um, and uh, they and like the kid was abused to death. And um, they stood trial. And Hedda was, was sort of abused also, and sort of had disassociated. Her. But she was a children's book author, like, oh, a, and did whoa. ghost writing. And um, she is attributed to a couple of. Um, I think it was Bantam had a horror line in the eighties called Dark Forces. Oh my! And she God. ghost wrote one or two of those. Yeah, oh my Isn't that bonkers. God. We need to find some of those books. Yeah. I just want to know what darkness is one she did called, um, it's either Beat the Devil or The Charming. I think it's The Charming. It's really boring. It's Ah. like about tarot cards. 
Oh. And gypsies. Who cares? Mm. We'll have to have our resident tarot expert, Veronica, back oh. on, maybe. Yeah. Um. So I wanted to know, when did you first get into these books? Were you a teenager? Was I a teenager? Yeah. Like when you first started reading them? Were you reading these? I was born a six-year-old man. It was so upsetting for my mother. It's like this birth is going on forever. Um, Yeah. No, this is what I read growing up, you know, like, and and it was weird because I, I was born in 72. So into the 70s and 80s. You read what was there. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it yeah, wasn't totally. like, like, oh, it's a football book and then it's a book of ghost stories from other lands and then it's Tiger Eyes and then it's, you know, the girl who owned a state. Like it was just there was so little teen fiction. You read whatever was in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I was too young for Stein and, and Pike and all that. Um, so, yeah, this was what I read growing up. And and the book that kept me coming back and fixated on this is this insane book called the girl who owned a city i don't know if y'all have ever no no it's from the 70s and like the 70s were so weird for for kids lit teen books Mm -hmm. because like on the one hand it was all drugs all the time right because it was go ask alice was the beginning of the decade it was like panic um everything was a drug book right like you know i sat down for lunch and i ate a hot dog and it had lsd in it oh my (laughs) god now i'm in mental home and i'm pregnant um But then, there, and so it was like, it was kind of on the one hand, kids were helpless, right? Like, and there was also like, like this idea that like, everyone's out to get you. There's drugs and everything. Yeah. Mickey yes. Mouse stickers have drugs on them. Moonies are going to abduct you. Be very, very scared. And then there were all these weird survival novels in the seventies. Like my side of the mountain got reprinted a lot. Yeah. And, like, signposts to terror and like uh, walking out, which were basically like, you know, I'm a teenager and I'm going to visit my dad in a single engine plane and it went down in Alaska and now I have to walk 5,000 miles <laughs> and by the time I get out, I will be hard. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it's like spoiled kids learning lessons. And so, and Girl Who Owned a City was one of these survival books. It's basically, um, so this house painter who never wrote another book wrote this book, O.T. Nelson, and, um, it, and and it's everyone over the age of 12 just dies. There's a virus. They all die. And so it's about Lisa and her like six year old brother. She's 10, I think, and scavenging for food. They're going to the house is full of mummified bodies and stuff because you know, 12 year olds aren't going to bury anyone. And um, sometimes like for laughs, she reads people's like suicide notes They're like, dear son, <laughs> this is my last moment. Please <laughs> oh, live. Um, she's like, Pfft. um <laughs> And then she realizes that scavenging for food sucks. And so she uses her thinking mm, true, true. and teaches herself to drive a car and goes to a farm and gets food. There's more food on a farm. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, hmm, where do grocery stores get food? They are getting away. And so by the time the book ends, she has this like child army and they fight other child armies oh and build it like this. They turn the high school into a castle and like are pouring <laughs> boiling oil on people. Oh, my and- God. That's awesome. But the whole reason O.T. Nelson wrote this is because he or she, I think he is a libertarian and like Anne Rand fan. Uh, oh so the my whole God. book is libertarian propaganda. Oh like no. Lisa's telling her little brother bedtime stories and she's like, once there was a girl and no one gave her anything. And there's another girl and people gave her presents and she was weak and died. Like it's <laughs> oh just like, my God. Like she, when she gets food, she turns to the other kids who are like six year olds who are starving to death and she's like, it's my food and I'll do what I want with it. It's not your food. I'm not going to share it with you. If you want me to share, I'll burn it all down. Oh my I'll God. give you my food, but then you owe me. It was just, it's crazy. But I was obsessed <laughs> with this book as a kid because it's kind of awesome, right? It's like a 12 year old murdering 12 year olds yeah. and kid armies. Um, and I was just always going back to this 
book way too much and and just remembering how weird these books were and how odd they were and like and then sort of the more you read them the more you're like there's i don't know it's like falling down a weird spiral hole to infinity full of screaming jump scares and yeah you know kids with stds and drug addicts and unwed mothers and you know kid gangs and teenage murderers <laughs> and sociopaths monsters all the best stuff christopher pike at the bottom <laughs> yeah um <laughs> But, but yeah, and so and and I don't know, have you all done Go Ask Alice on the podcast? Yes, yeah, and uh, Jay's journal. Oh yeah, oh my god, Jay's journal so is even more wackadoo. It is. I cannot oh, yeah. believe. I mean, you what you do like? What does he do? Does he huff paint? He oh he huffs glue and then he turns into glue. a Satanist. <laughs> Something. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I love that. Like, I love that his, his he marries his like uh, uh, witch girlfriend, and they like <laughs> yes. murder a kitten on the altar at the wedding ceremony. Yeah. The ceremony. They're like, we can bring it back to life with our awas. Oh, I forgot <laughs> then, about the awas. I and awas. I remember like being like, are they trying to say auras? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, and then and so y'all did the whole backstory for yes. it too about well, tragic, what a monster yeah. Beatrice Sparks such, is. She like, was a such monster. A tragic story. Completely ruined that family's life. Yeah. lives and the memory and, of their son. Yeah, I know. And like the family totally like wasn't speaking to each other for years because of this. Like uh, she's she's really a monstrous human. Yeah. She truly is. Like the fact that they were like, please stop with this book, and she's like, the children will be safer. If I publish it. Yeah. And it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. And then what are they going to be melted all over our minds? This is all made up. I know. And that's, but you know, what's so, it's crazy service of the greater good. It's okay to lie. Well, yeah. It's like, it's like when people, um, like, uh, like people that truly believe in Bigfoot, they'll like fabricate evidence evidence because they're like, you know what? This is just a necessary evil. I'll just fake it and then people will see this and then they'll believe the real truth, which I know, which is that Bigfoot's alive and real. Mm -hmm. And so I think maybe she's like, I'll just fabricate this to make sure that kids don't go to a teen party and accidentally (laughs) drink LSD in a cup. Because <laughs> that's a real danger. I, but I thought that was real. When I was a kid, I thought that was real. I was like, yeah. if I go to a oh, teen party, yeah. I'm going to do LSD and then do the next step, which is marijuana. Yeah. And then <laughs> end up homeless slash dead. And it always ends with like the girl selling her body. Yes. Always. Yeah. Always. I mean, because that's the oh, worst that can happen. Did you read... Um, Oh, what is it? The Steffi book. What? <gasps> Steffi can't come out to play. Steffi can't come out to play. Have I you read that read one? It. No, but I know it. You yeah, got to yeah. read that oh, one. That it, is not. That one's Lindsay, real sad. Lindsay got it's too sad. Not, it's, Lin- you it got was too very sad. upsetting. It is very upsetting. It wasn't like fun pulp. It was just like, it felt very realistic <laughs> of just a young girl being taken in by a pimp and then just like selling, selling herself yeah. for the rest of the book and like desperately clinging to this little teddy bear that she purchased um, for comfort. It was so sad. Sad, 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 sad. The teddy bear is an egregious detail. That's it like is, isn't it? That's what killed me. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you should check that one out and try to find try to find a copy on thrift, uh, books. thrift books because there is a cover very good. It's so good. It's like the original cover. Well, you know, it's so hard to buy this stuff now online because, like, you yep. always wind up with a library copy with like no cover or a big barcode in the middle. Yeah, that's why we recommend thrift books is because you can actually choose the edition you get. 
The thing that bugs you do. Yeah. The thing that bugs me about <clears throat> thrift books, and I don't mean to besmirch them, I do love them very much, is just thrift books. <laughs> Use better adhesive on your stickers and oh, yeah. don't put your stickers in the middle of They're the cover. So what are goopy. you doing? Do not do that. Oh, they yeah. do that too? It's very just goopy. Just wrap the book and put the sticker on the outside. Yeah, it always all... takes a little bit of the cover off It's very it. bad. I don't like that really? at all. Otherwise, I do love you thrift books, but just a point that I need you to start shaping up with the stickers. With the stickers, yeah. 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 Better world message. books is bad on that too. Really? Stickers yeah. in the front? Um, but there is a guy. Have you all read anything by Jack W. Thomas yet? No. I hate even talking about Jack Thomas because <laughs> his, his covers were all done. He was mostly in the 70s. His covers were all done by big cover artists like James Bama and stuff. So, like, they go for a little bit too much money online when you're mm. looking for them. And once people know they're good, they're probably going to go for more money. I think people just buy them for the covers. But he was a juvenile probation officer in L.A. <gasps> and then he's like, and if you read his website, his, he's got like a GeoCities website where oh he writes his God. own bio. That's like, on this date, the most momentous occasion happened. I was bored. <laughs> um, but, oh, my God. But These... his stuff, I mean, he's basically like Elmore Leonard writing teen juvenile drug scare novels. Like he's wrote these this are book insane. called Reds. I'm looking these at girls... these. Whoa. You found it? Yeah, I found it. Twin yeah. me They're... on. <laughs> Turn me on. I thought that said twin oh, me yeah. on. Yeah. These are the covers are beautiful. They're gorgeous. Um, but Reds is like these girls go hitchhiking to San Francisco. They're like 15 and they get told they can't wear mini skirts to school anymore. So they're like, fuck you. I'm dropping out. And then they just like hitchhike to like, oh my San Francisco. God. Oh, oh, yeah. So the sensational new novel of California's young pill poppers. Mm. <laughs> this is uh, cool. You learn so many different terms for second all. They're Reds. They're Gorilla Biscuits. Oh, my God. Uh, the hip slang is is relentless. And there's this character, Dorsey, in um, Reds, and she's great. They'll, like, hitchhike with some square, and she'll, like, <laughs> like load up in the back seat and, like, pass out, and then wake up in the middle of the night and screaming, like, I'm Dorsey, I'm Dorsey, I'm 15, I'm boss, I'm Dorsey, and then just, like, pass out again. <laughs> I shall name my uh, firstborn Dorsey. These are awesome. Oh, they're, they're really, really good, too. They're I mean, so, they're super pulp, but really well written. Yeah. These are. Oh, my God. That's turn cool. me on. The cover's very good. They all yeah. have very low writing. High genes. school pusher. High school pusher. Oh, yeah. The it's, Bikers, Burnout, Randy, Girls it's, Farm. It's very funny. Girls Farm. About I'm dying to get a copy farm. of. <laughs> it's funny thinking about these where it's like in the 70s, 80s and 90s, it was like all oh, teens are doing drugs and now it's like millennials aren't buying houses yeah <laughs> yeah i like but it's also like you know i spent so much of my high school existence waiting to buy drugs like you know what yeah. i mean like like oh you got to go to this parking lot and this guy will meet you, you just sit in your this parking lot for like three hours in the front seat like i was trying to do drugs it was just harder than it sounds <laughs> that's the thing like i remember and especially kind of going back to uh go ask alice like go ask alice made it seem like they were every, everywhere. everyone around you is going to force you to do drugs. The thing in my experience, people didn't want to waste their drugs. They weren't like trying to make <laughs> everybody around. And also like peer pressure wasn't really that like people would be like, hey, do you want this? And I'd be like, no. And they'd be like, OK. And then that was it. <laughs> but I feel like in the books, it was like, OK, you dumb little bitch we're gonna put this in your soda and then you'd get yeah. it anyway yeah yeah but also i maybe well, i didn't go to that mean of a school i don't maybe know times changed 
Times might have changed. Well, also, I remember, though, getting the lecture at school. We used to have it every year around Halloween that the Moonies would be at the mall. Why the Moonies? The Moonies? I don't know. The Moonies. The Moonies. Oh, because yeah. they're like um, mooning. What like is Moonies? Like or... the, the, there was that Korean and American cult, uh, oh, okay. Sun Moon's cult in the <laughs> 70s and 80s. The Moonies. And they were super famous because they did things like have a mass wedding of like 800 of them got married <gasps> at once in like a baseball stadium or maybe it was a thousand of them. Oh, wow. So they were super in the news. So it was like the Moonies. And they're going to be at the mall and they're going to give you a Mickey Mouse sticker of Mickey Mouse and the sword, you know, as the sorcerer's yeah. apprentice. And if you lick it, it's got LSD and you're probably going to murder your parents right now. <laughs> oh, that. my God. Uh, and that was the big. And this was like in our social studies class, you know, and they'd be like, you know, you guys, you think things like this are funny, but <laughs> there was a babysitter who was pregnant and she took PCP and cut out her fetus with a butter knife. And when the parents came home, <laughs> the five and the six year old were in the microwave and she was sitting in the front yard with her fetus out. <laughs> and we're like in fourth grade going, wow, taking notes. Still yeah. Like, oh, wow. I'll out. put this in my trapper um, keeper. <laughs> We had our, our emergency room would stay open late on Halloween because they'd x-ray your candy because they believed the whole razor blades in the apple. Really? Thing. I'm from South Carolina. OK. Like, you know, okay. We're, My we're, boyfriend's we're, like, Midwestern mother checked all of their Halloween candy and he washes off every like the tops of his cans of soda in case there's like wrap droppings there. Oh, and yeah. He, like one time I came over to his apartment and he was boiling all of his silverware because oh. there had the, he saw a cockroach <laughs> oh oh i thought you were gonna say he had a moonies over for yeah the moonies party. were there and uh, they needed fresh butter knives for the abortions i get <laughs> i get like very um it, it's weird like my parents we're very just like ah rub some dirt in it you'll be fine like we like never went to the doctor we never like and not because like of my parents didn't believe in doctor stuff but like it was like it wasn't that big a deal they they were just like my dad was like the opposite kind of midwestern where he grew up on a farm so like like if you got injured he'd be like mm, sleep on it and we'll see if it's okay and then yeah. we'd, it would usually be fine and so like i, I haven't <laughs> broken a bone ever but i just I, or maybe you have you just don't yeah, you know. know what my <laughs> leg like, goes like that way <laughs> you put some dirt on it and then it was fine it was fine i healed it i will do the thing where i think i'm doing something with a can and i'll like wipe my thumb across the like where your mouth goes and i'm like there we go done <laughs> all clean all clean um but well, it, you know it, it's uh I think that attitude would have helped, though, like in the babysitter, the Arl Stein babysitter, yeah. Mr. Hagen, right? That's yeah. true. The babysitter killed one of his kids and he's really upset about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember reading that book and be like, you're paying $5 an hour. Like, I feel like yeah. a 50% yeah. survival rate is about for. what you expect. Yeah. You get what you pay for, honestly. Also, like, remember in that book how, like, the weird chemistry between the babysitter and the boy she's babysitting? <laughs> Where she's like, oh. he's so beautiful. His feathery his hair. Angel hair. And I was like, like ew, girl, stop. He's gonna be a real heartbreaker when he grows up or maybe right now who knows like he scared me he's such a bad little boy i know it's like girl stop so weird you need to get a friend and talk to her about this you need to hear these words out loud (laughs) so bad <laughs> and also, but I feel bad because she spends half that book spinning around yes. behind her yeah. every time. Someone's like grabbing her and she's like, You drop this, miss. You dropped her. She drops everything. She spins around. She's probably got like neck yeah, damage, spine damage. Yeah. She for sure is her, like, her thing is like spinning around, much like Jenny uh, has problems. Yeah. Much like, um, what's her name in fucking Fifty Shades? Her thing is like falling down. Yeah. Her thing is like being scared and like turning around. <laughs> 
That's... What was that book that we read recently where the girl was like, kept being like, oh, what's that? Like at every turn. What was I'd that? I'd be very hard to remember exactly Shoot. which book you're talking <laughs> about. Was it The Fog? No, like that. no, The Fog, She's Entranced by the like, Sea. The Sea, The Sea. We were talking about The Fog a little bit before uh, you got here. I really He's like that book. You like it? Mm-hmm. I like yeah. it too. And I want to know what happens in the next two. So we have to read them. Yeah, we got to find out about them Shevingtons. We got to find out about the Shevingtons. <laughs> we got to mm-hmm. find out about the brown scuba suit. Oh yeah, brown white suit. I need suit. answers. White suit guy. I, I yeah. loved that. Also, book. the little sister just showed up. Yes. Oh yeah. my gosh. And then what? Uh, uh Dolly. Well, you know, then she wrote Face on the Milk Carton. Face on the Milk Carton. We did that one. That was Caroline B. Cooney. Oh, Miss Fog, so Fog is Caroline Fog. B. Cooney. I got confused because we we're also talking about Richie Tankersley Cusick. Got Richie. Three name oh, people. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's but, a. You know, I. Her stuff's so internal. I kind of love it. It's just like, we're going to go deep in the brain of a 15-year-old girl. And you're like, yeah. okay, cool. Do you like <laughs> um, Do you like Lois Duncan? Yeah. Like, I, I need to read more Lois Duncan. Like, I've mm-hmm. never read uh, Daughters of Eve. You've uh, got to read that one. you got to read it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good and, starting point. And I point. love her story. Yeah. Like, her life it's story really is just sad. amazing. Yeah, yeah. really sad. I mean, not for her, obviously. Yeah. But I, like, the, for her, it's tragic. What's crazy is that, like, she is so good at like writing about like grief and like a teenager's internal thoughts when like uh, we would like check to see when she wrote it. And it would, it was all, she had all, she had written all those before mm-hmm. her daughter had died. So like, it was just, it's just interesting. Cause I remember thinking like, Oh, maybe she's pulling from her own life. And then it was like, well, no, she just, she wrote so many books that were exactly like what happened. It's crazy. Very Which sad. is so Sad. Creepy. Yeah. Very creepy. Very creepy. Yeah. And they have a suspect, right? Or they they wound up with a suspect they couldn't prosecute. Possibly. Um, her daughter's murder. Yeah. Well, because like she was like really convinced it was to do with the Vietnamese, the Vietnamese gangs, gangs, which. Sorry, me? Viennese? Vietnamese. Vietnamese. Oh. Yeah. There are these <laughs> like, like Viennese gangsters. These people waltzing uh, down yeah, the street. Viennese musicians. <laughs> the traveling Viennese musicians <laughs> from, from the 18th century. <laughs> I hear the harpsichord music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're coming. <laughs> Less racist. Less racist mm-hmm. than, yeah. yeah. I mean, she, have you read her book, uh, Who Killed My Daughter? No. How is it? Is it really upsetting? Sad. Very it's sad. Very, sad. Very, very sad. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I don't think, you know, she didn't deserve anything that happened to her. And grief makes us do interesting things. Mm-hmm. It is a little bit, I, I will speak to it, that it was a, because I don't want, I don't know. I feel like some listeners have not liked that I've said this, but like, I think she was fixating a lot on race once it afterwards, because she was just like, well, you know, the Vietnamese people, they did it. Yeah. It's and like it, they have cultural viewpoints that about, are different like, than ours being yeah so on and so forth so therefore like, they killed my daughter which was kind of like i get <sighs> it you're grieving and like you will try to find anything you can but like i was like girl it was problematic yeah a little bit yeah well the problem is you know grief unhinges you exactly. and so then if you're in a public platform while you're spinning out of control i know you do some dumb shit i know and then the question is like well was it just deep down in there or has it just like sent you into a tailspin? I'm sure that she was like She's not like, no way to know. She was like 1980s not racist. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Which is like which is like 2019 racist. Racist, which is whatever. Yeah. And then on top of that, 
she was grieving and like there was a suspect that she was like, I'm pretty sure it's him. I need to find ways to make it that it's him because, you know, a mother just feels things. She loved that idea of a premonition mother who's like, I just feel it. So that was in all of her books beforehand. Yeah. And that is like one of these devices you see all the time Mm -hmm. in genre horror, adult and teen, a feeling. Mm -hmm. I had a feeling. I turned around. I had this. What is this? What is this feeling? I've never had a feeling about anything. I have feelings. (laughs) So I I, don't feel ever. (laughs) Why doesn't this hurt? This makes no sense. I prick my finger and feel nothing. (laughs) I I do get like weird like gut feelings where I'm like, I should leave. Um, But I'm usually wrong. Like well, nothing happens. And, you're like jumping out of a moving yeah. car. This is dangerous. I and gotta I've, go. I've seen other people do that too. Like I was on a flight one time where it was delayed a bunch and then the mom just gets up and is like, you know what? We can't, I will not fly on this plane. And her sons were like, mom, don't. And she's like, no, absolutely not. We're not flying on this plane. And she left. And like, I've gotten that feeling to be like, oh, something's weird. I should leave. And then I ignore it. And then it's fine. I just think in in books, they're like, you know, they're always right (laughs) for a while i was doing our i'll when my when we're at uh like disneyland or some amusement park and my boyfriend mike will be going on a roller coaster or something and i will get scared but i'll feel i would feel really bad if i chose not to go but he went and so i'll just grab his face before he gets on and i'll be like just know that I love you. <laughs> You'll get on the roller coaster. And he hates that. No, it's like totally. He um, hates it. He's like, what are you doing? You're you're totally being a Lois Duncan I'm mom. Being who's like super mm, Lois Duncan. Have a feeling and yeah, Lois Duncan. This is a part out. of human experience. It's closed to me. I do not have these. I, hmm. <laughs> well, I've always been wrong. <laughs> well, they're always wrong. I mean, and, but there are but times. once you're going to be right. Th- there, That's there's the problem. Like, uh, there That's are, the problem. I've been right like twice and then. You like confirmation bias it. So I'm like, exactly. you know what? I had that feeling and I was right. So you know what? I sh- you should just listen to me from now on. It's like but. It, it's it's good to trust your gut when it comes to people, but mm-hmm. not like freak, like no, final not, destination well, exactly. type scenarios. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, I mean, you see who sets up or is, it, or is this like a real amusement park you'll go to or like a, like a county fair that pulls into town? For like a, a week, real, like a very serious amusement oh. park. No, never mind. Yeah. Yeah, because because we had like the Coastal Carolina Fair when I was a kid, and like you, I was terrified of rides, and I'd get on it, and I'd be like, "Well, that guy in the ACDC shirt who's shaking and grinding his jaw with hair down to his ass and no shoes on yeah, did like, put this together with a wrench." Yeah, yeah yesterday. that's like classic Carney. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, I like. No, I, I went to this place. It was called Horrorland, <laughs> and it was built by a man named Stein something. <laughs> it was developed by a man named. Scary horror. Um, <laughs> all of those have such. Hi, I'm Lucifer. Welcome yeah, to my yeah. park. <laughs> like this seems normal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the great thing at the Coastal Carolina Fair we had because it was like in the mid. I guess it was the late '80s. It would have been '88 or '89. In the freak part of it, which you know, I don't know if you saw freak shows or not, but no. um, they had Billy the Addict, <gasps> and it was an a junk. There were actual. So it freak was like a, a pretty small stand, like a, a little. I, what is I'm, I want to say container? Where are my words? Room, okay. trailer, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And on the other, what, uh, the con- a holding a container cell. for uh. humans. <laughs> There's a small entrance here. The human enters. Um, 
uh, and it had like like um, like carny posters on the outside, like like canvas posters that were painted. It's like this man has done these drugs before. It's like PCP, angel dust, crack cocaine, oh you know, what? the glue. And before he was eleven, and he went in, and there was this cage with what? straw on the floor, <gasps> and there was this kid in a members-only jacket with the sleeve rolled up what? and like an IV taped to his arm, just sort of sitting there limply. <laughs> And you get, you know, it's like four tickets to get in. You waited for him to do something, and Billy never did anything. He was an addict. Did and Beatrice Sparks and it was sponsor amazing. that freak show? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. It's like very, like he's like a central the, casting type of guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he looked, you know, he had a mullet and a little bit of a mustache. He looked like, you know, the kid who put the rides together. Yeah. Um, probably was. And at the time, we all thought it was ridiculous. But only looking back, do you realize how ridiculous? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. truly was. like 12 levels of ridiculous. That's, yeah. I've only never South seen Carolina. like that. That is wackadoo. <laughs> that's crazy. I, I feel like when that carnival like went to North Carolina, they probably changed into Billy, the South Carolina. You know, yeah, this child grew yeah. up in South Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> Look at him. He's a mess. That other state is fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go there. Yeah. Um, we were talking about yeah. how, so Christopher Pike is your favorite and he is our favorite as well. Um, what are the things that you love so much about Christopher Pike books that keep him your fave? I feel like with Fear Street and with a lot of these books, and I could be wrong, I have to do more research and, and read more. That aside, I feel like there was an editorial mandate not to upset the kids too much. Everything's a fake out. Yes. There's like someone gets like the ends of these books, like I've broken an arm. Like, like you know, they've been in a tragic car accident and they just need stitches. There's not enough murder. I mean, I know that's I don't feel anything and I want more murder. I'm clearly a sociopath. <laughs> well, they're murder books. There um, should be murder in the murder books. Yeah. Right. And like the worst thing that happens, I feel like in all the Fear Street books I read or Point Horror is a big one for this. The Point Horror ones, especially it's like at the end, the guy's like, and now you're insane and we will send you to a mental home to get the help you so clearly need. And that's as bad as it gets. Yeah. No one goes to prison. And then with Pike. Oh, and then there's like, you know, R.L. Stein parties. Oh, these kids are close dancing. I, I, yeah. I, you shouldn't have brought me here. Oh, I made you spaghetti. Know, a, oh, yeah, the, the the spaghetti parties. Oh my god, yeah. where it's like, and then and, all the girls made spaghetti, and all the boys brought soda pop. It's like what? Huh? <laughs> like I was a loser, and I was like, like, these are losers. We need to get uh, some Beatrice Sparks uh, input yeah. on this R.L. Stein yeah. party. <laughs> Find well, a happy like, medium. Think, is it Babysitter Two where she has the bad boy? boyfriend who like takes her to a party where there's close dancing in the basement the lights are dim and then he leaves and he's like i never should have taken you there that was that was the wrong kind of crowd to be, to be with you with please don't judge me like, oh my god um, we haven't read that one Pike, they're they're fucking they're drinking yeah mm -hmm. they eat like fucking horses mm -hmm. i mean they just eat like there's these long, yes. especially in the earlier yes. books there's these long yes. descriptions we, we say that so much they, they be are cooking yeah cooking they cook so much they cook like whole chickens all the time <laughs> <laughs> i have cooked 15 lasagnas yeah. mm, dig in yeah. there's like I three of them fucking souffle <laughs> i'm 15 <laughs> oh yeah isn't that slumber yeah. party yeah. where one of them's like a french trained yeah. chef yeah. or something yeah she like cooks like a goose and yeah. then like everyone's like ah after a day of traipsing about in the woods and snow yeah. ready for dinner <laughs> anyway let's go talk to the guy who napalmed west germany or oh my east god. germany oh my god that what detail was that? i was like no you didn't when yeah. he's like i napalmed germany i'm like no you didn't no you didn't no you didn't i think you're lying yeah <laughs> 
horrible. But the worst thing so is he might not be. In Christopher Pike's world, we probably do napalm Germans just regularly. Yeah, Why just because. Just because. Yeah. Um, but it's and true. Also, the stakes the are higher. Is n- yeah. Nonstop. Yeah. Like, you know, and it's, it's, and, and not just murder, but like, like, um, what is it? Whisper of death, mm-hmm. where like the girl goes to get the abortion yeah. and then changes her mind. And then like the ghost of her future abortion has come back through time to put them in a bottle universe to torment them forever for thinking about aborting her. Yeah. Like, it's insane. Yeah. Um, you know, you feel like with his editors, they're like, hey, uh, Chris, can you give us a book about like a teenager who's a serial killer and he's like finding girls on the Internet? And then Christopher Pike's like, yeah, yeah. And and he's possessed by the ghost of, of Himmler's girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. And he's just murders people. And they're like, no, 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 not that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm going to read this yeah, yeah, this yeah, weekend. Yeah. It is truly, it's contagious. You know what? It's truly it's truly like the most fucked up ep- episodes of like Law and Order SVU are like Christopher Pike books where it's like you thought this was a twist well guess what there are five other things you didn't even know were happening also it's supernatural <laughs> yeah and five of them are ghosts yeah um i do remember- and they're and they're secretly aliens yes yeah. yes lizard aliens <laughs> nazi lizard aliens i that i i loved that the stakes were higher in christopher pike books and also like i remember like the book that we bonded over and why we started our show was starlight crystal I don't know Starlight Crystal. Oh, you got to read it's that good. One. It's good. I mean, because that's in his period where it was getting very esoteric and it was about ideas. Yeah. Less so than murder. Yeah. And I remember being like young and like reading this book and being so traumatized because like, so basically she, um, do you mind if I... No, okay. go for it. I, I don't mind. So spoilers. she uh, meets this guy and... Uh, this is in the future and she's like oh my god we're in love oops i'm going on this like journey on this spaceship that's gonna like be Be gone for 50 years and it's gonna be moving really fast so like you will age but i won't and like that sucks and he's like yeah and she's like well i'm leaving so she goes and um things happen and then she uh realizes that he's dead she's the only one left on the ship and then she outlasts the universe itself. And it goes all the way around and then mm-hmm. comes back <clears throat> to like another version of the universe. And so she goes to try and find this guy to like save him because she knows he's going to die. And then he dies again anyway. And like I remember reading that moment and being like, man, <laughs> I guess people just die sometimes. And like there's nothing you can do about it. And I was like, am I going to die? Like and, like all those moments are like <laughs> coming together. It's so good. And then though. you turned eight. Yes. Yeah. That one's it, more allegory. Is that the term allegory? It than, is, yeah. Than very plot. allegorical. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Well, but, you know, he did all that esoteric stuff, too. Like uh, what was the one? The Lost Mind where it's like. Allah made everyone so their soul was in three parts and he put it in three different people and then these people spent all of eternity trying to find each other again Yeah, Yeah. and then they like all they can think of to do once they found each other is just to murder each other. Like it's because like <laughs> like you see someone like you and you fall in love with them and then you quickly like hate them and want them dead. Like it's just, I mean, his stuff is harsh. It's yeah, great. it's really dark. Really, dark. that's why he was my favorite. Is yeah, the, like the the esoteric ideas and the high stakes and the pulpy writing and the danger. Yeah, they were definitely yeah. sexier and de- more dangerous. I remember being like, oh, my gosh, you can, like, see a butt in this one. Like, I was, <laughs> yeah. like, freaked out about the butt thing. And, like, there's a part where you see, like, the side of someone's boob. And I was like, oh, my gosh. 
were talking about but, that. Whereas Arlstein was like <laughs> devoid of sex. Kids did not yeah. have sex on Hill yeah, Street. Very sterile. They kiss. Well, like, well, like Monster. Y'all read Monster, yes, right? That's one of my, oh my favorites. God. I love yeah. Monster. Yeah. Mo- Monster starts like the first line is she's sitting on the couch and her friend comes in and just like just starts blowing everyone at this party away with a shotgun. Yeah. But then the sex in that is really messed it's up because she like wants to have sex, yeah. but he's kind of rapey. But then like she's empty inside and like it becomes a physical craving because she's a space vampire now. Yeah. I mean, it is I think the sex in his books is bonkers. That was actually my first Christopher Pike book and I was 10. Yeah. As it should as be. As it should be. Yes. And as it shall always be. So say be. we all. <laughs> well, and the thing I love about Pike's books is you read so many of these fear books, right? In the 70s, all the drug yeah. fear books and everything. And like, you know, and Lurleen McDaniels is like, oh, you know, people die and it's sad. And your mom died. <laughs> it's very sad. And you're going to have feelings. And Christopher Pike is like, he, and this is going to sound so goofy, but it's like he doesn't believe in limits. Like in Einstein yeah. books, teenagers are teenagers and they need to grow up and they need to be right. And in Lurley McDaniel's books, they're sort of soft and wet. And <laughs> in a lot of these, in the drug books, they're scared because the world's out to get them. Jay's journal, you know, there's the occult. Yeah. And Pike is like, no, teenagers are not teenagers. Teenagers are psychic space vampires. Teenagers yeah. are the ghosts of Nazis. They're serial killers. They're ancient Egyptian gods. They are princesses from another planet. They are angels reincarnated. Like teenagers are all these things on the inside. We just don't know. Yeah. And it's kind of amazing. It felt sort of li- reading his stuff. I didn't read it as a kid. Reading it now, I'm like, I wish I had this as a kid. Yeah. Like, you know, this idea that, like, yes, I'm a zitty, gross, messed up person <laughs> on the outside. On the inside, I am actually an angel from the future who's come back here to design a video game that's going to save the world yes. from nuclear war and teach my past self how to date. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like the, like, uh, it, in the best way, it's very like from the twisted mind of Christopher Pike. Like yeah. it is like, but in a good it is way. A, it is a yeah. He had a twisted mind. Yeah. In like yeah, the best way. And the teens were just having adventures as protagonists and villains and all that, not as teens. Yeah. The which, yeah. nothing was frivolous, and it wasn't like in a Christopher Pike. Book. It wasn't like talking down to right. you too. It was just like, hey, I'm gonna tell you a story, as opposed to like, all right, kids, like this is gonna be the story of the teens. And it what or certainly in the later books, it stopped being like all girls want each other's boyfriends and blah, blah, the beginning blah, ones blah. for sure. There was always the chubby the slut that wanted ones. the friends. It did feel boyfriend. at the time like he was just like, yeah, these books sound like this, so I'm sounding like that. And then he like it seemed like he really got into what he was writing and the genre. And it truly blossomed. Yeah. 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 And he came into himself. mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's also, yeah, those early books got those love triangles were just like killer. And but I love how bitchy the girls are. They talk like bad film noir film fatales. You know, they're like, keep your eye off my boyfriend if you don't want a ski pole in your face. You know, and then they're they're just awful. Um, And then like in later ones, like the the. uh, see you later, mm-hmm. which is the one about the like reincarnated space aliens from a parallel dimension who are also maybe aliens. I mean, angels. Oh, who yeah. Are, yeah. Yeah. Becky and it's like and, you think yeah. there's this frivolous love story, but it turns out to be like a, you know, we have to love each other and the angels from the future are going to help us fall in love because we're part of saving the human race. Yeah. So even the frivolous stuff had like big stakes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you didn't just have a crush on the girl at the music store. You also meet her future self who's trying to save the world from nuclear annihilation. Also, like, and that's why I love that everything is like, it's very similar to me as like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where it's like, I'm going to use genre to talk about these things that all teens go through. 
in a very high stakes way because everything that a teenager is going through is high stakes. Like everything is life or death. And mm-hmm. then to make it be so in Christopher Pike books, which is like, um, you know, I have a crush on this girl. Oh, it's because I'm destined to because we're supposed to save the human race. Like that tracks for a teenager because you're like, well, yeah, that's how yeah. I feel. True. Yeah. So. Well, it's also I like sort of how there's a hack side to Christopher Pike, like how quickly he's turning these things you out. You can tell when but he's doing like it, it for some of them. Yeah. <laughs> But he's like recycling things from other books, but I kind of like it because it's like happening so fast. It's a little raw. Like, I'm not sure if he'd done a second pass on the manuscript of like Die Softly, which is that's oh, the one with like the sure. Brian De Palma one. Wait, which one like, was that? If he'd had quite so much cocaine. Yeah, in it. that's like, it, like, that's the one where the girls are selling cocaine and oh, they call right. themselves they, the, sugar, the sisters. sugar Sisters. And there's like four <laughs> pages of instructions on how to set a VCR to tape. What was the one that had we counted like 20 pages? pages about what was it it was like i, I think that was a vcr it, thing it, it was, was 20 softly. pages it, it, oh yeah 20 pages on of how this of how vcrs work and then how to serve was that cameras. the eternal enemy oh wait was that wait, eternal so, eternal enemy the eternal enemy so, oh maybe that's it was because that's that's grandpa die softly no i think well die softly it was about it was too many instructions the about the, the cameras oh the cameras eternal enemy is like way too many instructions about vcrs and then <laughs> uh last vampire is like way too much about the the like uh planks she was putting together to shoot them into space oh my god girl i'm gonna tell you something i skimmed that pretty hard i was like yeah. i don't care how these planks are going well, luckily that was only like about four pages because yeah. she's like i read an interesting article about how nasa is doing this thing with rockets and it's like you're a vampire i like don't care yeah <laughs> let's I, get back to the vampires i do agree about what you said grady that like you can kind of see the cocaine because like i'm just picturing him being like okay so VCRs, I have done a lot of research on them and um, I need to prove to you that I did. Uh, sit down and uh, here we go. And, yeah, then, it's like, and then it's like, yeah. But, you know, it's also, um, I, he, there's a real perverseness to them. Like um, my favorite of the, because I think he splits up into the supernatural ones and the thriller mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. And in the thriller ones, I love Give Me a Kiss. The one where the girl fakes her suit. Yes. It's just like dice, a fall into darkness, but it's off a boat instead of off a cliff. Yeah. yeah. And like, it's so much bloodier, but it turns out that the girl who's doing it is like, she's got herpes from her boyfriend yes. and she thinks it's AIDS because yes. she doesn't understand how sex her works because her dad is too sheltering. Protective. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end, she's like, I'm killing all y'all and it doesn't matter because I'll be dead soon of herpes. And they're all like, that's, <laughs> that's not, not how it works. They're like, like oh my God, have. this is so embarrassing for you, Carol. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. And that the title is Give Me a Kiss. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like, oh, And the it's fact so... that that was just the first draft for Fall into Darkness. Yeah. And the way the main, the way Anne gets the idea for the cliff is by having read Give Me a Kiss. Yes. <laughs> he is kind of creating he, like, like a Stephen King very meta. He put, he put, yeah. Yeah. Give me a kiss on the shelf in Anne's house. And that's how she read it. It even he describes the cover. Yeah. And it's the same cover. Yeah. I don't want the Marvel Universe. I want the Pike. Yes. Like, yeah. Someone. All these happen in the same town. Truly. Like, it, it would just be like so Stephen great. Stephen King's dairy. That's exactly what yeah. I was saying. Yeah. Like I and, and he does that a lot with like just one line. Which like yeah. reads a lot like when you're reading Stephen King and it's like, oh, I read in the newspaper that this dog attacked a bunch of people anyway, uh, which he's like, mm, I was playing this game called Starlight Crystal anyway. And yeah. you're like, interesting, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I see what you're yeah. doing. It all comes back. Yeah. <sighs> 
No, so Christopher Pike, you know, it's after so many jump scares and nothing. I want kids doing big rails of cocaine and flat out murdering each other. Yes, same. And And I do feel like, and this is something um, that I think we all wanted to talk about, the fact that like, it does seem, at least after the first few books, Christopher Pike respects his female teen characters. Mm -hmm. And Mm R.L. Stein and most of the other authors just plain do not like they I will think say they're outside so of cheerleaders dumb. outside of yes. for some reason something happened with him where yes. cheerleaders he's like you know what you want to do cheerleading because you think it's cool and i think that's cool and then and then outside of that he R. was Stein, like, like you dumb, never again <laughs> dumb little teenage girls I'm like what happened what was that year for you yeah. rl <laughs> It's like the guys have actual interests and the girl's only interest is in getting her best friend's boyfriend. Like there, I feel yeah. no kind of respect from R.L. Stein from his books. Whereas yeah. I absolutely we'll at- feel like Christopher Pike knows that we're like full human beings mm-hmm. with like bigger ideas than that. Mm-hmm. Well, what's her name? Jenny in the babysitter books? Mm-hmm. Like she's just empty. She's There's nothing, nothing there. Yeah. She's. She just whirls around and then she goes crazy on the third book. And I'm like, thank nice. God she's gone crazy nice. and like think she's Mr. Hagen because at least she's interesting now. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm looking forward to that. You know, then. it's it's weird, too, because one of the things that weirds me out about teen fiction and YA fiction is every genre is written usually by the people who read it. Right. Yeah. Like, like urban fiction is usually written by Hispanic or African-American authors, like romance novels are usually written by women, uh, men's military adventure stuff is usually written by dudes mm-hmm. uh, who pretend they used to be in the military or something. And but only YA and teen fiction is not read, written by its readers. Exactly. You know, it's written by adults. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I feel like there's often this super patronizing attitude towards kids. Stein's a real person who's guilty of it. But you see it all the time in these books. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just um, so many of them, especially the drug scare novels, like so many of them are just like, now, little lady, I <laughs> see yeah. that you've like decided to take some after school classes, which means you wait for the late bus, which means someone's probably going to inject you with heroin yeah. and abduct yeah. you. Like, it's just this horrible patronizing thing yeah. that like kids, they're so cute. They it's, can't be trusted. And then there's also kind of like a lot of the kid stuff doesn't ring true because like we've talked about on our show, like they're writing from their experience of being kids, which was 20 years ago. So they'll yeah. be like... Sometimes the way the kids talk is like not at all how someone in the 80s would talk, yeah. but how someone in like the 60s would talk. Yeah. And that's just the, yeah. the values didn't catch up to the 80s because it's not like the 80s was so progressive, but it was certainly more progressive. It was like a step forward as every decade has been. But the authors, because they're writing from their teenage years, d- would d- like didn't get that. Yeah. 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 Like they didn't well, look, get the I mean, memo. Look at, um, Stephen King. You know, I mean, yeah. like, I feel like I feel like Carrie is a teen book. I mean, it's set in a high yeah. school, like mm-hmm. it so fits in with the genre. Mm-hmm. But like, there's greasers in it. Like, yeah, the bad exactly. people are greasers. Like, <laughs> I don't think it, those at least with some of the Stephen King novels, he set them in earlier times. Yeah. Like with it, it takes yeah. place yeah. when they're all in the fifth grade in the fifties. Also, like, and I was just gonna say, maybe it was because, but. I okay, so I was gonna say maybe the Carrie thing, the greaser thing, is because of the like fifties obsession, but that wasn't until the eighties. So he's just like off, like he was just off yeah. in, in in yeah. Well, my so my theory about that, I have a theory, okay, because uh, because I know there's nothing that people like more than listening to other people's long winded yes. theories. Well, I, you uh, know. Uh, people um, are listening to this podcast, so there's got to be something <laughs> they're into. 
<laughs> um, but so, you know, I, I feel like teen fiction is really like Grease, the musical. Mm. Like, 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 it's as if um, John Travolta, because there's all those juvenile delinquent novels in the 40s and 50s, especially, mm-hmm. were sort of the early teen novels. Like, you know, yeah. they were all about kids and teenagers and, and you know, there were bad girl books and bad boy books. And then you've got Olivia Newton-John, and that's all that good girl fiction mm-hmm. that came out of the 30s. You know, Little House on the Prairie, Sue Barton, Student Nurse, um, Nancy Drew Mysteries. Yeah. It turned into all those like Janet Lambert books in the 40s, I guess, and early 50s, you know, like nice girls whose fathers are soldiers and they live on a military base and they go to a lot of sock hops and stuff. <laughs> and it's like, you know, John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John had a baby because those things sort of came <laughs> together with the outsiders around there. Yeah, you know, uh-huh. it was like, like these are swoony romantic guys who good girls might be interested mm-hmm. in, but they're leaving these sort of greaser JD, you know, lifestyles. And there was this great book in 58 called um, Harrison High by John Ferris, who went on to mostly get famous for writing horror later. And um, he wrote six of these, and it was huge. It sold like a million copies. He was like 22 or 23 when he wrote it. And it was sort of like the combo of both those genres. Like It was like a high school. This is a high school. And it would be about the parents and the teachers and the students. And it was very sort of sociological. It wasn't exploitative. It wasn't all these kids are on drugs. You know, like eh, they had sex. They had abortions. They did drugs, but it wasn't the focus Mm -hmm. of it. And it was this real huge, huge hit. And it ends, I think, with a race riot, if I remember correctly. Oh, fun. <laughs> uh, because there's like, they're like integrating students mm-hmm. and uh-huh. they don't want it, you know, it doesn't go well. And, um, and King was obsessed with these books. He loved the Harrison High books and actually tried to write his own version oh, of them. Interesting. And he wrote a book called Sword in the Darkness that never was published, uh, when he was like, I think of the, it's still a college student. And Sword of the Darkness, he, really really apparently based it on his high school experience is what wrote about and he was a teacher also and based on that place camden high Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. camden academy and carrie is really if you read harrison high and you read carrie back to back carrie is harrison high with a telekinetic teenager and more menstruation interesting similar um me too (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and and you think about because like it spends time with the parents, it spends time with the teachers, it spends time with the kids, but there's also because Harrison High is like 58, it's also got greasers mm-hmm. in it and JDs and all this stuff. So I feel like there's this like King's heroes, the people he was emulating, writing about high school were those 50s JD writers, you know, mm-hmm. who were writing, you know, John Ferris writing about greasers and stuff. Um, anyways, that's my long-winded theory. <laughs> Carrie comes out of all that, and there you go. I, yeah, that's I'd really interesting. It. Yeah. Yeah, that makes really a lot of sense. That theory ends anticlimactically. I'm sorry. <laughs> it ends with, it does. and that's my theory. Yeah, <laughs> it was very anticlimactic. <laughs> but you know, and, and so it's funny though to me that like Harry Potter is a result of like this grease mashup. Yeah, you know, it's like a school book. There's the bad kids, the good kids, but all this comes from juvenile delinquent novels and good girl novels in the 40s and 50s. I think, in my opinion. <laughs> I think I, think, I, I, I would I love totally to go back that. and yeah, read some of these older books Me too. to see what how the ones that I read like fits into this blueprint because I really like the b- earliest we've gone is probably a Lois Duncan Lois book Duncan, like 70s. Uh, the one where they get they never came home yes. yeah yeah. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm not actually familiar with like the true ancestors of the books yeah. that I grew up on. Yeah. 
read a Janet Lambert book and you will want to blow your brains out. I mean, it's like, it's like, I want to be an actress. And the director of the community theater play takes her out. She's like, you did a good job, little girl, and takes Ew. her out for a chicken salad sandwich. <laughs> and he's like, she'll have the milk. And she's Ew. like, I'm an adult. Can't I have a Coca-Cola? No, you're a good girl. Good girl. Oh, my God. He has some kind of milk fetish where he just like loves seeing teens. <laughs> yeah, you, milk. A, you a milky like, teen. Yeah, drink that milk. Just That's like gushing. the pipe rewrite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Let's rewrite those books okay. through a pike lens. Yeah. Yeah. It'll just yeah. basically be like what, Riverdale? Probably. <laughs> 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 so wait, I gotta ask you guys a question, because you all have I think read way more widely than I have and deeply. So what about race in these things? Uh, everyone's I've been white. Reading, like, everyone's yeah, white. I've been reading these things, and they're mostly white. Everyone's, everyone's white. Everyone's white. There is a thing. Christopher Pike tried to introduce more diversity of ethnicities in his books, like in Remember Me Too. Oh, no. Oof. Oh, in no. Remember Me Too, he uh, it starts with a, a Hispanic teenager named Jean Rodriguez. And, but then, like, immediately have you read remember me by christopher uh, pike no that's oh you gotta it's that's good like it is good that's like top and i say pike. if you want to just remember the series fondly just read that one just read the first one you don't have to read the other two <laughs> the other two are they're rough so and for this reason so in the first one there's this uh white teenage girl named sherry and she gets pushed off uh a balcony and she dies. And then she spends the rest of the book as a ghost trying to figure out her own murder. Very fun. In the second book, we meet Jean Rodriguez. She gets in an accident on a balcony as well and just like plummets to her death, supposedly. But instead of dying, the like the, the master like Krishna type figure, then hmm. Sherry goes into Jean's body and lives the rest of the life for her. So the Hispanic character that just got introduced is now technically white. She's white mm. on the inside. Uh-huh. And then also yeah. she is told even worse that it is her duty to save or to be an inspiration to, to, to be an inspiration to the quote crime-ridden Hispanic population. Community. Community. Yeah. Mm. So she writes a book which we are then forced she, to read. She writes a Story. story, which we're this then is forced like to read, it is included within the book, which is about a, a woman, a woman who's who, a writer. Yes, there's a muse that she lives with, but the muse is an ugly, disgusting troll that lives in her closet who wants to fuck her, who wants to fuck her, and so she seduces him into thinking he will fuck her, and then she kicks him and throws him back in the closet. Yeah, and and in exchange for him continuing to give her ideas, she will slip fan mail under the door and let him make dirty calls to her fans and, and this is supposed this is to what be the inspiration for the hispanic, hispanic community, community from a white lady so the white lady i'm inspired yeah the white lady <laughs> saves so inspirational saves the hispanic population she does she does Maybe and, I mean we'll well like yeah that she starts in the like that's the implication is yeah, like yeah like it's it's really working great and then in the third book she has stopped going by Jean Rodriguez altogether she's just going by her white name Sherry again and is just living the rest of Sherry's life as if she wasn't murdered and then it's just scream two 
And or wait, it, is it three? The one where they do the movie? I've probably three. 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 Yeah. Okay, so it's just Scream Three, where she's like doing a movie and like scary things are happening, and then that's it. So it's like he had good intentions to introduce um, other ethnicities beyond Caucasian into his books, but then like did it in a very awkward poorly executed fashion and then kind of let it slide and didn't try very hard ever again. But to his credit, he has acknowledged it in the present day as like a regret of his. And he's like, I I started to, I should have done better. I wish I had done better. So good for him, like a true apology, Yeah, which we don't get many of. And also, I mean, all these books, right? Everyone's default white. So like no one's race is mentioned unless they're not white. And then if they are mentioned, it's like real, like the color of someone's skin is really obsessed over. Um, What was LJ Smith? Her. Yeah. It was the Forbidden Game series. It was like. What did she call that girl? Like a. Well, she called her like a beautiful like Nefertiti, <laughs> like over and over. Ooh. Yeah, and just like yeah. constant like oh her her skin was like a beautiful dark chocolate, and she just like fawning over her like other. It's just very like exotic. Yeah, it's it's yeah. strange. Exoticism. It's like you have this really good intention to not have all your characters be white, but then you like can't stop talking about how they're not white. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say that there are any moments of complete racism except for. No, I don't think anyone's outwardly racist in these books. It's never implied that like they're not like they're less than a white character. No, it's just that like they don't know how to truly integrate them into a story. There, there, there is the kind of racism that I have experienced from well-meaning white people from the Midwest in the fog, where our main character goes into the house and she's like. Mm. This place is decorated in a very oriental way. And I don't know how you can relax in here with all of this gold. All these peacocks. And I was like, okay. It's weird. (laughs) Like, that sounds like something that some well-meaning white person would say to me. And I'd be like, cool, man. Like, where's all the boring furniture? Although I do have to say, in the fog, though, they do... What's the island they're from? Fire Mist Island? Fire Fog Island? uh, Fire... I forget. Oh. It's like Fire Moss Island. Fire Fog Island. They do make it sound like they they live in caves on that island and don't have indoor plumbing. They're like, hope you can know how to use the. This is the bathroom. Hope you know how to use a toilet islander. (laughs) She's like, I've never seen such things. It's like I'm only used to white walls. Oh, yeah. This is so then, stressful. And then in the fog, she starts like <laughs> dating that libertarian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where he's like, my he's taxes like, support your your <laughs> extravagant <yeah>. cottage <laughs> lifestyle. And he's like, and you all you do in return is sell overpriced soda. Yeah, you just live off the tit of the state. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she he, turns into the love interest. Yeah, she's like, no, I don't. And he's like, okay. Okay. <laughs> She's like, no, I'm actually Um, really poor. And he's like, I forgive you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was just curious, like, because on all these, uh, you know, Nightmare Academy, like, uh, or no, no, Nightmare Club, Mm -hmm. Terror Academy, Fear Mm -hmm. Street, Point Horror, there was like never one for African American Mm -mm. kids. Or you know what I mean? Like, no, not as far as I know or anyone has made us aware of. Because we we have made the call to our listeners, like, Please, if you know of any um, of these types of books from this era that are either written by authors of color or like contain characters that are of mm-hmm. color, like let us know. 
And it's been yeah. pretty nothing they're, in there response. There really weren't like, any. And so what any. we have to do is uh, just so like occasionally even we can introduce some not Caucasian uh, ethnic writers. It's pretty much outside our genre. Yeah. So we'll do some it's modern not, stuff. It's not too far off the mark. Like we're reading the Bells series, which is like very good, but it isn't really a teen creeps type Mm-mm. book. But it's like, we got to have something other than these freaking middle aged white yeah. dudes. Yeah. And just, yeah. And we did really like that. So it's been yeah. cool because we've been like introduced to like cool stuff that I wouldn't normally be reading because I don't really read modern YA outside of what's called for. In yeah, this show. but it's pretty much all modern. Yeah. 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 No, it's interesting because like, you know, doing paperbacks from hell, there was one uh, black publishing house called Holloway House. It was a huge number of paperbacks and, and sort of, you know, in the same realm as places like Zebra, Pinnacle and Leisure, you know, really putting out pulp mm-hmm. paperbacks in the 70s and 80s. Uh, they published Donald Goins, all these people. And, and you know, they treated their writers horribly. I'm I mean, sure. it was founded by these two white guys. Mm-hmm. And like who after the Watts riots, their takeaway from the Watts riots were, hmm, I bet we could sell a lot of books to black people. Oh, my God. God. There's a lot more of them out there than we oh thought. Oh, my God. And we're, we're like suddenly and, you know, made was, aware of them. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but like, and so they did. It was a lot of important voices. And you know what I mean? It was like a great thing. But they exploited the hell out of their writers and tons and tons of like, you know, uh, uh, you know, spy books and, and cop books and action books and sex books and trucker books mm-hmm. and all this stuff. <laughs> and like literally out of the hundreds of books, they published three horror novels that's it wow. really? you know like jonah yeah jonah zell wrote two of them and this woman glinda dumas wrote one of them and that's it wow and i'm like there must have been somewhere in the late 60s 70s and 80s african-american people writing horror but like where like were they publishing in magazines like i don't know yeah but you know it's, it's just a weird blind spot um that I can't figure out, did they not exist or they've not been preserved yeah, or, or what the issue yeah. was? Yeah. Unfortunately, it isn't even, it's like an unfortunate blind spot, but not even a weird blind spot. It's like a yeah, normal like I'm not bi- surpri- blind I'm not, spot. Yeah. I'm not surprised. It's like the blind spot everybody's had for yeah. centuries. No, absolutely. But like when you're like, oh my God, there are, you know, 12 different adventure series written for an African-American audience in like, you know, by this one publishing house in five years in the 70s. Come on, there's got to be more than yeah, three. Yeah, there must novel. be. You know what I mean? Like, Where are they? And yeah. And so I'm like, I want to know what a what an African-American horror novel from 1978 looks yeah. like. I want I want to yeah. read that, you know, it must um, so I don't know. So I was just curious if the teen stuff was any no, different. No, but it seems to be the no, same story. Unfortunately, yeah. not. About the same. God, white. Yeah. yeah, it's too yeah. bad. Mm. Yeah. Fuck that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, Always getting us down. Man. Yeah. Um, those were all the points, but I'm sure we can... probably no point in running down Beatrice Sparks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. She deserves it. Oh, we haven't talked about VC Andrews. <gasps> oh, oh wow! How could we? How could we have... skip over good yeah. old VC? So how much VC so have wait, you read? I got to know, is y'all's rule on VC Andrews only the first seven or do y'all go beyond that? I hate the we Ghostwriter ha- books. Yeah. We have ventured into the Ghostwriters books. Although and we've, he- we've heard, we've heard that Ruby mm. is good from listeners because it's still a, a lot based on her outline. We'll try it. We'll try we it. We both own it. We may as well try it. But he is truly despicable. Like for all that VC Andrews Neerman's, was writing, his own books are good. We 
Well, have only tried one, so I can't say that they're one? all bad. We tried Child's Play, and he was so oh, okay. over sexualizing the 13 year old girl in it and like praising her powers of seduction and how like because her mother sold her into prostitution she like had special womanly powers to her and i was like i had to text kelly and i said i can't i'm sick to my stomach i cannot finish this book i refuse to cover it on the podcast so we didn't we read something else altogether yeah i hadn't even started reading it so i was like that's fine but do you recommend pin and brainchild are really okay what is it Um, brainchild and what pin p-i-n um Pin's the one about these two kids whose dad was a doctor, and he was so worried about talking about sex to his kids because he's a proper doctor that he would use the anatomical dummy in his office. Oh, my God. Would be like, kids, this is Pin. And he wants to ask, have you been having touching in your naughty place? Yikes. Oh, and my God. And so when the God. dad dies, the kids always went to pin with their problems and their dad would ventriloquize his oh voice. Oh, my pin, God. Like, you know, Mom's dead and I feel sad. And Pin would be like, death is normal kids and and so when their dad dies they're like whatever dad's come and go but pin is forever oh and pin loves oh us and, and then it's like they're having this like incestual sexual relationship with pin <gasps> and it's really bonkers you could tell someone read this and was like get this man ghostwriting vc andrews stat <laughs> yes 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 what Ooh, incest yes, yes. vc <laughs> Truly, truly. All right, we'll yeah. check. We'll check those two out. Give him another chance. Yeah, okay. child. I, but I child's do, play made me want to vomit. Yeah, I do really love VC Andrews. I love, love, love VC yeah. Andrews. I think um, she is much more feminist than people give her credit for. I think she she wrote about horrible experiences, but wasn't like glamorizing them. No, and I mean they just they just hit that lifetime like spot for me which is just so like uh it's just like can you imagine the tragedy of this person's life wait it gets much worse yeah surprise (laughs) he's her uncle yeah and you're like oh (laughs) it got worse it got worse um but i think i think she was right she i think she really believed in this like i think she was really committed to these books like they were really serious yes for sure it was not a frivolous undertaking no i love these books i loved uh, actually, I think I might have loved Heaven more than I loved my sweet Audrina. Ooh, yeah, bold words. statement. I know it is bold, and I think it's purely because maybe it's just because I read Heaven more recently. Mm-hmm. The my sweet Audrina stuff does have okay. It is pretty crazy. It packs a punch. It does pack a punch, and there's a lot that happens in that book. I. <laughs> Because now I'm like remembering certain moments. I'm like, oh, I, that to me is crazier. But like, yeah. heaven, I was able to laugh at more. Have you read both My Sweet Audrina and Heaven? I've only read Sweet Audrina. I haven't read Heaven. heaven. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Not Heaven. Dark Angel oh, is yeah. the one where like I was cracking up. <laughs> no, I, that one was so funny because her love interest at the end, like, gets really sad and rides on a horse and then into the ocean and dies. <laughs> Falls off a cliff you know, with a horse. That happens. It happens. It does happen. And, then, and that's her, why she's great. Is she writes true to life. And then her brother <laughs> um gets mauled by a lion. Yeah. 
which she made like accidentally made happen because it's she dressed so up like funny. the ghost of her dead mom to scare her dad. And so she should have known better. So she should have known that she that would cause known. her brother to get mauled by a lion. It's like obvious. It's obvious. The, <laughs> it, classic I tale. do truly love those books, though. I really do. I think my sweet Audrina, I I just like the writing more. And I love Vera. Vera, Vera is such a fucking icon. trip. Feminist yeah, icon. icon. Feminist icon. <laughs> Vera. Icon. Like, Hashtag all caps, Vera. The fact that she ends up as like a little owl pellet at the bottom of like a... Because she tumbles. She tumbles down the spiral staircase. Yeah. Has brittle bone disease. So she's just like literally a little <laughs> bag of bones at the bottom. <laughs> when she falls out, I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's so iconic. I love her. <laughs> Well, wait. Okay, so y'all mentioned in Dark Angel dressing up like the dead yes. mother. Mm-hmm. Let's do the tropes okay. because you see that over and doing... over. I'm going to dress up like someone dead to drive you. Yeah. Insane. Okay. So oh. are we doing whole like, genre, whole or genre tropes? Okay. All, all, oh, all oh, of it. Interesting. Teen, interesting. You see that okay. all over the place in teen fiction, dressing up like someone yes. dead. Because y'all read a Terror Academy book and didn't like it. Yeah. Um, Sixteen Candles. Nightmare Academy. Sixteen Candles. Yeah. yeah. It sucks. Yeah. Where I was, I was saying earlier, uh, student body which I think is really good, which is in that series. But at one point, the girl who's the victim of a cruel, well, I want to say practical joke, but gang rape's not really a oh, practical God. joke. I don't know. It's pretty um, funny. <laughs> but, but she winds up turning when the police won't prosecute the guys and the football players who tried to gang rape her are mad she went to the police anyways. And so they throw her her eight-year-old brother off the top of the school library and he's like brain damaged in a coma for the rest of the book. <gasps> She turns them all against each other. So they wind up murdering each other. And then when she dresses up like one of their former victims and freaks out the drug addict and he then murders the last guy and kills himself. But so dressing up like dead dressing people. Dressing up like dead people. Big trope in these nice. books. Big trope. Um, oh, there is classic. The red herring. Usually mm-hmm. a man who acts in a hugely alarming way. Usually a stalker or sexual predator, uh-huh. but he's not the killer, so, so he's it's fine. fine. That guy, so like that's yeah, that's a huge yeah. trope. And you're usually supposed she to ends up with him. him. Yeah, and she'll yeah she'll end up with him. You're supposed to completely forgive him for being like an utter complete like yeah dick or sexual like, predator molester literal yeah. assaulter yeah. But, but it's fine because yeah. he's not the murderer. Yeah. The other thing is right. There's bitches be cooking. Bitches be cooking, cooking all the time. Yep. Cooking big meals for big parties. Cooking. Mm-hmm. Jump scare, uh, the the sort of like fake out scare yep. into the chapter. Mm-hmm. Yep. End of the chapter fake out. If, yeah. if you're in a Pike book, one of the things I love that he does, because I just know to skim, is, and then I had a dream. And it's like an eight page yeah. dream yeah. description. <laughs> or yep. or like, I'm, I was talking to my father about his screenplay in this screenplay on the planet Peladon. It's, yes. I think it's yes. like the immortals. There's like a 12 page breakdown of his screenplay. Yes. That, so I feel like they're always throwing in dreams. That I, I think um, was probably the Starlight Crystal. Oh, no, that's Remember Me 3. Never yeah. mind. Yep, Never I mind. remember that. Yeah. In in Remember Me Three, she starts writing a new book, and the new book is called Starlight Crystal, mm-hmm. and it is ever so slightly the plot of what would become the book, The Starlight Crystal. Like he brings up Starlight Crystal like three times in other books, in and then forms. finally writes the Starlight Crystal. I'll have I'll have to relook at the Immortals because it is this big sci fi thing, and it does. Have, I think the the title something like space war yes. so i might not be starlight crystal yes um but the other thing just when you were saying that is um 
Oh, crap. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's writing stories within stories is a big Pike thing. Yeah. Stories within stories. And that's usually, going to be honest, I do skim over those stories because I'm usually... It depends for me. Sometimes they're good. I really had to skim that fucking troll story. The troll story was very bad and very long. It took up a third of the book. A third of the book. It was so long. It seemed to me, our theory was that he really didn't want to do two sequels to Remember Me. And so he was like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But who can make Christopher Pike do anything he doesn't want to do? (laughs) I know. Contracts. Yeah, contracts. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, Okay. So, uh, big padding chunks. Um, The other thing that I feel like I see all the time in these books is people getting shipped off to a mental hospital at the end. Yep. Yeah. Not Christopher Pike books. That no, rarely not in happens, Pike. but a lot of the other yeah. ones. Yeah. Always going to a mental yeah, hospital. The killer typically doesn't in a lot of them doesn't actually die. They just, like you said, get the help they need. Yeah. Yeah. Uh what's another one? Oh ugh, I almost had it. I forgot. Keep talking. I'll remember. Um, there is well, like uh, the the trope of like, does he even know I exist? And it's uh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. someone that this person has either been friends with or done like a crime with. And they're like, I just don't think he knows I exist. And it's like, I think he does. Like you killed a man you together. You killed a man together. So I think he knows, <laughs> he knows you exist. You. Yeah. So that whole There's, thing. Oh, that's the thing is uh, by the end of the book, the main character who's been attacked by the killer ends up in the hospital and in the hospital yeah. finally gets together with her love yep, interest. Yep. yep. Holds oh, his hand yeah, yeah, and yeah, then sure. walk off in the sunset together. Yeah. Also, can we just say so something I saw in so many of these books, how dangerous female friendships yes. are, because sometimes mm-hmm. they get obsessive if you stop being friends with the person and they try to kill yeah. you later. Yeah. It's a problem. Um, or they turn it. Yeah, or they turn into lesbians. Like, that's more of a 70s thing. But, like, I always thought it was so weird and go ask Alice how terrified she is of lesbians in that book. Like, terrified. It's pretty disgusting. Um, And you see that echoing a little later with these weird friendships where it's, I I think it's a Richie, what is it? It's a point horror book. I can't remember who wrote it, but it's, um, at the end, it turns out to be like her best, her former best friend who's like the stage manager. (gasps) No, yeah, yeah. uh, uh, Secret admirer. No. Secret Admirer? Secret Admirer. Ay, ay, ay. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's um, Christopher Pike, right? No, no that's R.L. No, that's not Christopher Pike. Well, it's, there are two Secret Admirers. One is R.L. Stein, and I can't remember who the other one is, and I can't remember which it is. I don't think we've read the R.L. No, I. it's fine. But yeah, it's the stage manager friend who is like, convinced yeah. that like you she was going to be abandoned my friend. when yes. she goes to college. Well, yeah, And it's yeah. like, okay, but we know the real story is that you're in love with her. Yeah, and you're yeah. acting like well, that's and, not and what's going on. There, there are so many of these like coded like gay panic. Yeah, parts where it's like, yeah. oh well, you know, if one of your friends is a big lesbian, she's gonna be in love she's with you probably and probably crazy. kill you. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. dude, yeah, the gay people in the books are often like driven to insanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's also weird how much stalking lots there is. Lots of stalking. Like, mm-hmm. like, like, even when they don't call it stalking, lots of, like, getting mysterious notes in your yes. locker day after day yeah. after day. Like, it's, yeah, there's something weird there. I guess it's just unrequited teenage love hormones. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. There's also, I, it, well, it's like, so, or all of these books, they take something 
that is fun for teenage girls and they turn it into a threat. And so like the dream is to have like this secret admirer that you don't know about. But in these books, that becomes the secret admirer you don't know about is going to kill you. Yes. Also, well, that's what so many of these books I feel like are about is like, you need to learn the fine line between a nice boy who wants to date you and a boy who wants to marry you. Yes. Which is a good message. (laughs) Um, Another trope is uh, the busy villain, which is like a killer that is somehow doing so much. So much. Like they're setting up so many traps. Traps on traps on traps. And notes on notes on notes, notes, dead birds, pranks on pranks, pranks, and it's it's a huge hallmark of Richie Tankersley. Richie's villains especially. are the busiest yes. villains. So busy, overdue, overdue. That's, she is so busy. She's so busy. She has to slash tires. She has to cut brakes. She has, she has to, to leave books and then take the books before the police see the books, so that the then, main girl just seems crazy. And then return the books and then leave a dead bird and um, frame. The like employee at the library, <laughs> all just to date the main character's dad. Yeah, it's just that she was well, obsessed with the main character's dad and wanted her out of the picture. And it's like there, you could have just killed her. <laughs> yeah, just kill her. Just kill her. Well, and there's also uh, there's some Richie Tankersley Cusick books where it's a timeshare killer, like April Fool, yeah. where it's like some of the crimes were committed by one yeah, person yes. and they were a little more harmless. And then there were other bad ones where this other person. I think that that was her solution to the busy villain yeah she's like and i she can't have like, this one person all right i'll him. have multiple villains like that is the case with that is the case with april fools that is the case with april um fools. fatal secrets that we just read it's like okay they're very very busy but guess what there were four of them so yeah. it's fine <laughs> yeah fatal secrets that was so many killers so everyone many was killers. a killer everyone was a killer <laughs> Oh my god. Every single red herring was a killer. Was the, the villain. It was nuts. <laughs> well, it's also the other thing I noticed about pranks. I never no, pulled pranks never. or pranks pulled on me in never. high school. Pranks. People prank nonstop in and these books. And the pranks are like not funny. Actually pranks. Yeah, they're mean. Yeah. They're usually like I took your favorite hat and set it on fire. Yeah. Uh-huh. Prank. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> we've been pranked. I I I saw it off the leg on this table to weaken it so prank. you would fall down <laughs> and hit your head prank. prank oh yeah that was oh traps that was uh winners that was final exam final exam <laughs> by a bates yeah right? check out final exam because the main character in that is the saddest person like at, by the end of that you truly don't want him to be arrested you do want him to, to get, get help. the help he needs get help Wait, what series is this? this in? It's is, not a series. It's just final no. exam it's final by exam. A Bates. Um, we like A Bates. Okay. We do like A Bates. Um, and this one is just like a guy that wishes that he was valedictorian, and he's not. He's obsessed with like, uh, like executive self help type inspirational quotes, like you know, like the the very eighties, like win. Like, no, you know, that. Yeah. So like, he has to one of those succeed, books. You have to be the best. Yeah. He has a book called Winners and he's really obsessed with it. And so he's like dogmatically following it. But the thing I loved about that book was that I feel like A. Bates like knew how ridiculous 
and idiotic killers like this were because he's obsessing over this girl and he's like, I know that you set traps for me and that you were trying to, you were going to tell me. And yeah. And she's literally like, I don't know who you are. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, my book winners. And she's like, what are you talking about? He's like, it's very, you were going to give my position away, but I was too smart for you. I saw it coming. And she's like, saw what coming? She's like, I don't know what you're saying. Literally, who are you? It's, great it is really funny um well that's like i mean that's like the favorite thing when they used to have on talk shows like ricky lake and stuff where someone would come and confront their high school bully and they'd be like look at me now i've lost 100 pounds and i am a hand model (laughs) and i have two kids and drive a lamborghini and the bully would always win because the bully would go i'm sorry i don't remember very you sure we went to high school together they're like no remember me remember me i'm that girl it's like i don't know you do look great though congrats on the hand model career (laughs) have i seen any of your work anywhere (laughs) (laughs) And you know that bully went home later and just laughed themselves silly. They're like, like, I totally remember Janet. Fuck Janet. (laughs) That's so funny. Um, Well, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about in relation to these... This beautiful no, I genre. think we, we covered all the things I wanted to talk oh, about. Oh, I guess something I wanted to ask you about my best friend's exorcism because it is such a polar opposite to the f- types of female relationships we see in this genre. And we were so in like, love. moved by it. Uh, yeah. Did you, w- were you just telling the story or were you specifically setting out to turn that trope on its head? It wasn't with these books. That wasn't that wasn't where I got the trope. The trope for me was from exorcism mm-hmm. stories, like whether they're they're real mm-hmm. or fake or real fakes. Like it's always a teenage girl or preteen girl tied to a bed or or something while some old dude screaming. Uh-huh. And like like if you read The Exorcist or watch The Exorcist, like it doesn't matter. Linda Blair doesn't matter. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like literally she's there to be a foosball table for like, <laughs> you know, Satan and a battle and, between and, the old guy and know, the devil. Father yeah. 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 And like it doesn't matter if she's a good kid or a bad kid or she likes animals or hates animals. Like nothing about her matters. And I just always thought that was such a weird idea. And I also thought it was always weird that, like, at the end of the movie, and the and the book too, a little bit. But the end of the movie, um, it's like she and her mom are like, "Bye, you know, bye, thanks for the exorcism." And then they like go back in the house, and you're like, "Breakfast is going to be fucked yeah, up in that house real. for a while." Like, yeah, they're a post traumatic. Uh, do you remember that time you were stabbing yourself in the vagina and rubbed my face in it? She's like, "Not really." That was pretty crazy. <laughs> She's like, mm, "Time flies." <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that was so Gross, long ago, mom. mom. Like, ew. <laughs> they just sit down and go, "What a." week yeah so it was like it was just like i wanted to, to do something where like actually that person mattered yeah you, know? like, it, you it can just... really feel it in the book too oh thanks well i'm actually i appreciate it i'm actually just wrapping up now the next book which is not a sequel but so many people read my best friend's exorcism and were like and, and a lot of when i write a book i i'm really bad at writing so i i base characters on real people um i I can't make them up (laughs) an idiot um but by the time they get into the book they're very different no one will ever recognize mm -hmm. themselves because they're dumb um but uh everyone was saying would say to me oh my god those parents were so terrible and i was was like i you know 
I don't know. They were doing the best they could. Mm-hmm. Like, this is kind of a weird situation. Your kid's possessed by a <laughs> demon, you know, like it's hard to t- judge their choices. Um, so I, I'm the book I'm writing now is not a sequel, but it's set in the same neighborhood because um, that's the neighborhood I grew up in and I have a limited imagination. <laughs> and uh, it's set a few years later in the 90s, but it's about the parents. Oh, and, cool. Um, it's and and it's been really really hard because writing about parent like I don't have yeah. kids I don't want kids I don't like yeah. kids <laughs> writing about parents is really really hard I don't have kids and so it's really tough for me to like figure it out and I think my breakthrough came when I was talking to someone who remained nameless who like spent an hour telling me how horrible their children were like and they were really cute ages they were like three and four and they spent like an hour talking about how terrible and like being really mean being like you know and she's really ugly And then at the end of it, she turns and goes, you know, but I love her to death. I mean, she's just wonderful. And I was like, got it. Motherhood. Okay, got it. It is. Yeah. When they're that age, they're practically like little weird puppy demons who like you don't understand half of what they say. They sound insane. They sound like drunk, insane people. Well, I was talking to a friend about that. She was like, yeah, he just like seems like he's drunk all the time. And if I acted that way, people would be really concerned. Yeah. I mean... (laughs) And I mean, truly, though, right, like I I don't have kids and I don't plan on having them, but it's like there's still like I don't know what it's like to be a parent, but I would imagine that even though you're like, I love them because they're my kid, you there's still another person. So you're going to have your opinions about them no matter what. So yeah. it's yeah. like, dude, <laughs> yeah. like I honestly like I think his hair is like really bad. <laughs> like I would still have those thoughts. Like I feel really sorry for him because he got like my worst uh, qualities and his dad's worst quality. Yeah. So it's just like a real bummer. But you know, I love him. I yeah. love him so much. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also been fun to write about because it's it's basically the book centered around a book club. And like cool. it's because I remember my mom was in a book club and all, you know, and it's like they were really look I mean now book clubs are cool, but they were really looked down on as like, well, this is what housewives did. Because right. it's so you gender. Know, like, they all yeah. get together yeah. and they talk about their little books and even i as a kid was like oh god Lame. yeah so yeah all these dumb and um and, but it's really fascinating like what's wrong with people wanting to read yeah. books and talk about them but um and it, it was interesting because these neighborhoods like the suburban neighborhood i grew up in like it was there were no dudes in it from like from you know 8 30 in the morning until 5 30 or 6 it was like the population of housewives mm-hmm. like you know i grew up in the 80s a lot of the women didn't well, my friend's moms didn't work and so it was, and then the summer would be the housewives and the kids and it was this sort of land without mm-hmm. men you interesting. know that's cool um and I was re- I was actually looking in the dictionary uh, when I started writing this this new book, and um, I looked up housewife, the definition, and and the the Oxford Dictionary. I have the nineteen seventy eight edition, <laughs> I think. Um, definition of housewife: a light or worthless woman or what? girl. What? Excuse was- Oxford. <laughs> oh my god! Yow. Wow! Oh wow! <laughs> I guess they just viewed it as a slang term, maybe. Instead of like an actual definition mm. of a woman who like doesn't work. Like, I mean, like you got you really, you yeah, but you're supposed to, <laughs> but you're supposed to though in those times, right? Like you're, you're expected well, to do that. It's yeah. exactly like that line from Kirsten White's uh, book. Uh, they took, what is it? Um, uh, it's kind of the, the inverse of that. She says they took everything away from us that they told us made us women and told us we were insane. Yeah. And it's like the opposite. It's like you're supposed to be a housewife, but that's worthless. 
Yeah. It's like you're doing yeah. you're doing the only thing we think you should do and that's embarrassing for you. Yeah. 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 Well, I was sitting there trying to write down, like, as I was like, okay, well, what was my mom doing? You know, as I was trying to write down, okay, what are the things I saw my mom doing? It was like, laundry, yep. well, laundry, yeah. laundry, <laughs> laundry. I mean, like, Jesus Christ, you know, we, we, there, was, there was four of us. Like, her yes. laundry was endless. Yeah. Like, she changed the sheets on our bed, like, once or twice a week. That's insane. Oh, my God. I go months. <laughs> months. I go I years. Disgusting. <laughs> it's like cardboard. Yeah. I don't know how Kelly's sitting next <laughs> to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> but truly it was it is a lot like, of fucking work dude it's a lot right yeah. and it's valid well, work like, i hate cook. yes like i cook for myself but like i can't imagine cooking for like five every people three day. times yes. a day hard put a gun and then, in my mouth. and then to have those people sometimes be like oh this again and then yeah. you're and then you're supposed <laughs> to like keep smiling and being like okay well. like, mom i hate this yeah yeah no, my mom was a terrible, terrible cook. And so, like, when she discovered Sam's Wholesale Club, she realized you could get, like, 50 frozen chicken breasts in this big <laughs> yeah. plastic bag. So, all we'd have for, like, weeks was, like, chicken breasts. And, like, all we did was complain. I realize now, I'm like, well, we had something. You know, someone was yeah. cooking. Yeah. But I remember at the time, we were just like, oh, I'd rather die than eat a yeah. chicken breast. And I'm sure, looking back, my mom was like, that can be arranged yeah. very easily. I'm happy to, because then I have one person less worth of laundry to yeah. do. <laughs> this bag of chicken breast will last longer. <laughs> Actually, now, now that we're talking about it, I can even sort of see why like back in the day, if like your kid was like, mom, I'm a vegetarian now. And then you'd be like, I work so hard. Yeah. Why is suddenly my food, my like yeah. hamburger helper meat that I have made for you your whole life, not good enough for you? Well, also like I remember <laughs> I was brought up, right? Like you eat what's put in front of you. And if you don't, that's too fucking bad for you. You should be grateful for someone, what someone's doing. And I remember going over to friends' houses where like the mom would like make a separate thing for my teen, like fellow teenaged friend because she didn't like, and it wasn't because of a dietary restriction. It was because she just didn't like what everyone else was going to be eating. Right. And I remember thinking like, you spoiled sack of shit. <laughs> like, I was like, oh my God, for fucking real? Like, what are you, three? You need like macaroni and cheese? Like, it was bananas. I, Because I, we were like, it, it was unheard of. I never would have thought to be like, make me cheese pizza. Cheese pizza instead of like the roast that everyone else is eating or something. Well, also when your parent, or at least in our house, because we were the same way, but in our house, when they'd ask your opinion about something mm -hmm. for food wise, like my mom would be like, what kind of yeah. cereal do you like? And I was like, I don't know, Raisin Bran. And that would be it. I'd yep. have Raisin Bran yep. for a you, year. You're for stuck breakfast. with it. And so like the getting the choice was a trick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. I, I remember my mom like also discovered Sam's Club and she was like, oh my God. So she got really into buying these like tequila lime chicken wings. And I really liked them at first. So I ate like 20. It was crazy. And then she's like, you liked it so much. I made it again. And I barfed. <laughs> I was like, I, can't, I cannot stomach anymore. These fucking chicken wings. And she got so mad at me and I got in huge trouble. But I was like, I can't eat this. <laughs> But I also had a thing. See, when you're talking about going over to a friend's house for dinner, I had a thing when I was a kid. I think I grew out of it by like 13, mm -hmm. but I couldn't eat in other people's houses because everyone's house smelled weird except yeah, your Yeah, it own. does smell weird. Like you go into anyone else, you, 
You'd be like, I don't, I'd just be like, I don't like the way this smells. It's, it smells weird. My house smells like nothing. Why does your house have a smell? Yeah. Like that. And I'm sure my house had a smell to them, but it's like, you don't smell your house's yeah. smell. And you go into their house, you're like, oh, <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm yeah. not hungry. I'll have I would water. go and visit my dad. It, I lived in San Diego and I would go and visit my dad in Reno for a whole month every summer. And when I came back, I could smell you can the smell, the smell, smell of my house. <laughs> and it wasn't bad. I would be like, ah. Oh, home yeah <laughs> thank god yeah. it's the smell that i know yeah yeah i also remember like um shoot i just forgot what i was gonna say <laughs> never mind doesn't matter well it's also weird to be writing about because i only wrote about my best friend's extras and being in the 80s because like we were saying a minute ago um y'all were saying that you know these a lot of these authors write about teenagers but it's like their teenagerhood yeah. mm-hmm. from 20 years previously my best friend's exorcism set in the 80s because that's when I was yeah. in high school. I can't write about exactly. modern yeah, high school exactly. with cell phones yeah. and vaping. And that's exactly it where like, it's like, unless you truly that, know the world of a modern teenager, probably best just not and, to. And I think that's also why. But also I think it's like because that's when we were kids. So like reading it, it felt very real and like very genuine. Whereas like, I don't know. it's it, Yeah, if you shift it up to like... The, the Fear Street in those books where it's like it's supposed to be happening in the 80s slash 90s and like we knew how kids talked then and then they're all talking you know it like sounds nothing like the yeah, 60s yeah and like not using any contractions very weird that's a huge Christopher Pike thing have you noticed that where Christopher Pike like didn't no. use contractions God. very much it was like all so the full I do not words. think that you should speak to me in such a manner it's very interesting. Oh my god. That's all I'm gonna be able yeah, to notice. Read now. it out loud. <laughs> well, that's the weird thing. So writing this book now, it's set in the nineties. And it's so weird to try to put the nineties together in my head. Because the eighties, like, I don't know, it, there's a there's a cultural image mm-hmm. of the eighties, and like you can play against it or into it or whatever. The nineties is sort of like the decade where nothing happened. But then you start going through it and you're like, well, kind of everything happened. Yeah. I mean, Anita Hill was early mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. and like you know, by the end of the 90s, like when the night, I feel like when the 90s started, sex was still dirty and mm-hmm. like the province of porn magazines mm-hmm. and like, you know, and maybe late night Cinemax or something. But like by the time the 90s ended, like newspapers are talking about blowjobs and like strip clubs are mm-hmm. normal and like, like normal people are going to strip clubs and like sex felt like it was everywhere, you know, and it was. It was it was just weird to see that shift, you know, like um, to see the early 90s with Anita Hill and this huge wave of women coming into Congress. And then by like 94, that's just dead. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, it's just like like it's just like ugh, by by 94, women are just like, eh, you guys had a moment. It's over. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it just very it's, the 90s interesting are very, very too, because I was born at. in 1982. Mm-hmm. And so my whole childhood was 80s. And then early 90s. And then all my teenagehood was the rest of the 90s. And I graduated high school in 2000. And so I experienced like almost like right down the middle analog and then Internet. Yeah. (laughs) Digital and Internet. And so it was this crazy shift from what you expect and read about. And then all of a sudden everything is different. It's like game changed on you. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, so I can see how well, it's it would like be you difficult. look at the early '90s in, into the mid '90s. It's it's you know it's Ani DeFranco, it's Cheryl Crow, it's mm-hmm. it's all these female singer songwriters. I mean, then the end of the decade, it's like 
you know, Kid Rock and like, you know, you've got like Teeny grunge yeah. is getting huge and, you know, or I guess grunge was huge earlier, but it's just like, it's this weird thing. I don't know. There was this real shift in the nineties. I, I don't, I'm still, obviously this book's going to suck because I'm still <laughs> trying to figure it out. Like, you know, it's just, it's just so much stuff changed in there, but it changed in really ambiguous, slow ways. You know, there was no talk radio really in 89, 90. By the end of the 90s, it was huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would get in the car after school. A friend's mom would pick us all up from junior high and she would be listening to Rush Limbaugh. And even Ugh. then, like as a 14 year old, I was like, this guy fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And like everyone got rich, which was also well, weird. Yes. Like, and, and I feel like the attitudes with everything were went wait a second so hold on i'm trying to track never mind i'm not sure if that applies so i don't want to say it <laughs> attitudes about no, but, money but i mean like well just like um uh like glorification of like grungy like slash um when we saw um never mind i don't know where i was going so i don't want to go okay. into it <laughs> goodbye goodbye <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, it, but you know, it's funny. Everyone talks about 80s being like the greed is good decade. And I get it on a Wall Street yeah, level. But I feel like the 90s was when everyone I knew were putting were redoing their kitchens and mm -hmm. putting in kitchen islands and getting a third car and buying their boats. Yeah. And I feel like there was a big, like a huge amount of wealth in the 90s, like growing, like sort of as the decade progressed, but much less examined than in the 80s. It was sort of like... Everyone was okay with it. Well... Yeah, it's like everything's just going great. What do, yeah. you, what do you mean there's people? And I feel like that's why things like the Rodney King riots and stuff like that always seem to take people by surprise because they're like, wait a, wait a minute, everything's going really, yeah. really great. We just like, you know, bought our second house. I have house a pool now. And, what are you, know, you talking about? Like, yeah. <laughs> what are these people upset about? I do not understand yeah. this. Yeah, well, maybe that was like as much as, I mean, it's bullshit. Reagan is bullshit. He's evil. But like the whole idea of trickle down it is sort of like in the 80s yeah. it was like all the people working for the money and then in the 90s we like had you know insane access to credit all of a sudden and everybody was fine yeah. using it and so yeah you were seeing people like treat themselves really well with all the well, money as opposed to saving and keeping yeah. their job forever like all of a sudden everybody was fine putting everything on credit and buying these like larger lifestyles that yeah. i don't think any of us could afford well and also we were being sold yeah. that everything was being great and the people selling us that idea were things were going really great for them um which is like yeah. you know who is the voice it's the uh, richer people it's people that have power and I think like now obviously we have the internet so everybody has a voice and you can hear everybody kind of say how shitty things are but like we didn't have that back then and mm -hmm. so like we just believed I, it, I thought that everyone lived how my family lived yeah I was like everything's great and everything's oh, fine yeah. because things are fine for us yeah and like I didn't know about just the world like that seemed very other to me that yeah. like because you only had a few news sources. Yeah. And I wasn't even really caring about the news, really. Right. Because like it wasn't in a digestible way for like a kid slash teenager. I was like it wasn't like Twitter, you know, when yeah. you like hear about things through the Internet that way. It was more just like, oh, that's the news at night. That's what my parents watch. That's very boring. And then it was the beginning of like cable news networks. And mm -hmm. suddenly there's yeah. a profit to be made from the news. And so obviously they have a financial stake in making sure that you 
are a consumer in the way they want you to be a consumer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny you're saying treat yourself because that's actually how I've started to think about it with this book is it was the treat yourself decade. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, just get a little work done. You've always yeah. not liked your eyes. Just get those lines yeah. out. Like, you know, you're not quite happy. Have some Prozac. Like, look, re- rereading a lot of articles from the middle of the decade about Prozac and listening to Prozac, the big nonfiction book. Look, pharmaceuticals do a lot of good for a lot of people it is crazy to read this stuff now and like listening to prozac sold millions and millions and millions of copies and it is literally a book where the doctor who writes it says i mean i don't know how prozac works but it's going to change your life and then the entire Uh, book is just case histories of this woman was sad i gave her prozac she's so happy now this child was violent and destructive i gave him prozac he's so happy now this man couldn't get out of bed now he has prozac he's happy now yeah it was like this magic cure-all and they hadn't they didn't know how it worked it's proto branded content this is like an instagram sponsored post basically for (laughs) detox tea (laughs) like back then and it's like people do there are people who need uh psychotropic drugs that's the term i think so yeah. yeah yeah psychiatric drugs but it was in the 90s like we can all use it and we can all use the same one. Well, and also yeah. like, uh, you know, all your problems will be solved. Just take this. Yeah. And it was yeah. wasn't like it's like even children. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I Everyone. took Ritalin, you know, in yeah. the I think around 85 through like 88. And it was enormously helpful for me, whether it was the placebo effect or not. But I remember when I started taking it, my you know, don't tell your friends, you know, keep this really quiet. Mm-hmm. By the time I finished taking it, you go to the office to get your lunchtime, you know, Ritalin if you didn't have the time release once. And there'd be like 30 other kids there lined up for their Ritalin. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, it's just and, not and possible that 80s, everyone just needed it. was this feeling that like, eh, it's your problems are dealable. Treat yeah. yourself. Go, yeah. go get the boat, get the facelift, you know, eh. it, it's just this idea that eh, you've had it tough. Treat yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. Um, well, I think we've really yeah. talked about the genre. <laughs> Thank you so much, Grady, yeah. for coming on the no. show and talking with us. Yeah, it was really fun talking to you. Thank you. It was such a pleasure. No, thanks for having me. I love doing yeah. this. I'll talk forever. I'm going to be talking to myself on the subway on the way home for like 45 <laughs> minutes. So and this just validates we'll just, me. Like, give us a weekly call and we'll <laughs> talk about it again. Um, do you have anything that you would like to plug? Nah. No, no. <laughs> I'm a terrible, terrible writer. No, I'm good. Okay, well, we'll, we'll do it speaking for you. From us, yeah. Read his books. Yeah. The one thing I will They're say is, I will say, uh, so my website's gradyhendricks.com, and um, you can sign up there for my newsletter where. I, I've I've taken a little break, but every about every other week I write up some new paperback I'm reading just because I can't stop. And so if you liked paperbacks from hell, it's sort of like a little mini version every week. Yeah. That's been, about as much as I have to plug. Yeah, I've it's read some of them. Book. They're very fun. Yeah. Awesome. So sign up for that. Mm-hmm. Um and also check out uh all of his books. Do you have where can people find you on uh like Twitter on the internet? And, yeah. GradyHendricks.com and it's the links to all my oh, perfect. terrible social media platforms <laughs> where I do appearances so you can avoid me. All that stuff. Right. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Um, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, thanks again to Grady Hendricks for everything that he's done and also for doing the show. If you are reading along with us, you are no, by no means required to. We are going to be covering another Francine Pascal, Sweet Valley High super thriller, Double Jeopardy and Ryan Mogi will be joining us, our Sweet Valley High correspondent. Yes. Thank you so much for for tuning in. If you would like to support the podcast, you can leave us a review on 
uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Again, we if you get us uh, over a thousand reviews, we will cover every single Lifetime VC Andrews movie as an extra episode. Extra. Mm-hmm. So get us beyond that thousand reviews. If you don't, we will only release it on Patreon. So and so only people who pay us can get it. So uh, you better go review. Speaking of which, you can support us in a more immediate way. Uh, d- Patreon.com slash teen creeps. We got a lot of cool stuff for you. And we thank very much all the people that have already uh, donated. You are wonderful beings. Yes. I think Is that that's it? it. Yeah. All right. Thanks again to Grady cool. Hendrix. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and we will see you guys next time. Keep it creepy. Forever. <laughs> Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Kelly Nugent, Lindsay Katai, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Engineered and mastered by Alex Sarche. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.